Greetings. You have unlocked the door to the Black and Grim podcast, a new horror fiction podcast. Come in. Come in. My name is Mr. Black, your host and dastardly narrator. Grim is around here somewhere. I'd advise against looking too deeply into the shadows, friend. Well, we have officially kicked off Season 1. Each season will be comprised of 10 episodes following a single storyline, with standalone tales capping each end. By now, you've hopefully checked out Andrew's choice for a little taste of the Madman Grimm's handiwork. But, it's time to take another road. We might even venture down to the river, as I hear it's quite lovely this time of day. So settle down, relax, and welcome the unpleasant, as we see what happens when a monster does the unspeakable. Our young hero, Danny, must fight to overcome the guilt and loss left in tragedy's wake. But what if he's not as alone as he thought? What if the ghosts decide to stick around for just a little longer? Find out in Danny's River. You expect perfect clarity when you're looking back. 2020 hindsight is a thing, right? <sighs> Honestly, all I've got are more questions. Would things have turned out better? Had I made smarter choices? Could I have stopped them if I had not acted like a spoiled brat? It's easy to ask the questions, knowing I'll never get to repeat them. Life has this obnoxious way of just going forward. So what's the point of looking through the lens to see what could've, should've been? Anyway, my name's Danny Preston. Let me tell you a story. It's a little bit mine, a little bit theirs, but mostly, it's about the river. My kid brother was a pain in the ass. Ma was yelling, Walter Curtis Preston, you get your butt back in this house now! As he barreled down the front steps, he wasn't paying attention, and as I'd been sitting on the middle rung, he nearly knocked me forward. Like I said, pain in the ass. But seriously, he'd done something to irritate our mother because she had used his full name. Mom didn't use our full birth name unless we had done something stupid. She repeated the command again, but Walt had already stumbled out into the yard, safely out of reach 
Benuwan's strangling hands. What'd you do now? I asked, rubbing my shoulder, trying to massage the ache in my tender muscles. Admittedly, I was already in a sour mood, so I launched from my seat and thundered after him. Keep in mind, at the time, Walt was a full 30 pounds lighter and nearly a foot shorter than me, so I had no trouble covering the space between us. When he saw me coming, the turret gave me the finger and tried to cut to one side so I'd lose my balance. It didn't work. I tackled him onto the soft earth, staining my clean jeans with a few lovely streaks of brown and dark green. Have you ever wondered why grass stains on your clothes looks like someone got trigger happy with a crayon? Walt managed a few sucker punches to my ribs before I managed to pin him. Using my weight for its intended purpose, hey, if you're a sibling, you'll get it. I sat on his chest while we waited for our mom. What'd you do? I asked him again. Sure, I was aware sitting on his chest meant answering my question wasn't likely to be forthcoming. That in mind, I moved off his chest, but made sure to keep him pinned to the ground. Let go, Danny! He pleaded. His eyes flitted between me and the porch, where our mom stood, arms folded across her chest, watching. When I didn't budge, he groaned miserably. The kid had a flair for the dramatic. I'll give him that. Uh, fine. I broke her iPad. That all? Mom seems pretty pissed. And... Um, I broke the glass on the coffee table. But I didn't mean to, Danny. The iPad just slipped out of my hands. Honest. Let him go, Daniel. She used my name, too. Uh-oh. I looked over my shoulder, trying to gauge how pissed she was. A red splotch covered both cheeks, where normally you would see pale skin. And even from where we were, I could see her eyes narrow with anger. Walt was in some serious trouble. And if I didn't listen, I would probably share his fate. So, I moved enough to plop down beside my kid brother. Get over here! Now, if you saw Nadia Preston, you'd probably laugh at how badly Walt dreaded trekking onto that porch. For years, my buddies expressed fixations over her that, quite frankly, grossed me out. At a glance, I guess you had noticed she had shorter-length auburn hair that magnified the smoothness of her cheeks and the soft, jovial blue of her almond-shaped eyes. You would have seen how tall and lithe she was. <laughs> Usually, you catch her smiling. We got our grins from Mom, I'm told. But right there in that moment, she was an angry fireball. And Walt, well, he was fucked. She's gonna beat your ass, kid, I whispered as Walt scrambled to his feet. He shot me a withering glance, but said nothing. Between the two of us, Walt was typically the better-behaved Preston boy. A natural-class clown, his jokes ran on the more vanilla side of fun. 
They rarely went too far, and as he made acceptable grades, his teachers generally adored him. I, on the other hand, had a reputation as a hothead. I was nearly done with college at this point, but when attending the same school as my brother currently attended, I punched a few assholes. I'm telling you, they had it coming too. <laughs> well, most of them anyway. I had avoided any major punishment, but, well, I'm lucky I didn't get expelled. I'm sorry, Walt was saying as I drifted through my thoughts. His feet shifted back and forth on the bottom step as he tried to avoid looking up at our mom. <laughs> Honestly, the kid looked pitiful. I was impressed. I, I didn't mean... As abashed as he appeared, we weren't raised by a foolish woman. She laughed without pity. It wasn't a cruel sound, just one that brooked no bullshit. She nodded towards the open door. Inside! You're grounded for a week. But mom! He whined. Homecoming is in two days and I was taking Sally Fletcher. Sucks to be you. You're grounded for a week. Mom! I watched, amused, as he tried to wheedle his sentence down. It was an accident. Why are you... This isn't fair. Mom smiled at him. I knew this gesture, and many times in my life, had been on the receiving end. This toothy expression signified my hole was getting deeper the longer I talked. When I barked a small, none too quiet laugh, she shot me a look that caused the laughter to die in my throat. Don't you start either, she said to me without raising her voice. I immediately shut my mouth and clambered to my feet. Then, as my brother tried to slink away, she commanded, To your room, Walter. I need to speak with your brother. Oh no, I thought. What did I do now? Yes, ma'am, he mumbled. Walt glanced at me over his shoulder and, scratching his head, retreated into the house. My mother, however, waited for me to cross the front lawn without speaking. Curiously, her expression didn't change. Instead, she looked just as frustrated as she did when she came outside. I slowed down a bit and prepared myself for an earful, though for what reason, I didn't know. What did I do? I asked automatically when I reached her. Hmm? Who said you did anything? I'm not a kid. I know when you're about to bitch at me about something. Watch your language. Let's sit down for a minute, okay? Our porch had a small swinging bench to the right of the front door, next to the white railing. When I was little, I liked to come outside, especially during storms, and just let it rock. I've even fallen asleep on it a time or two. Anyway, Mom motioned towards the swing and, without waiting for me, went to sit. I followed, unsure of what to expect. Did I do something? N no, son. Nothing wrong. She seemed distracted. Or maybe it was more that she held something back. Whatever the case, it 
didn't help my growing anxiety. My mother must have sensed this because she reached for my hand and, holding it in her own, went on. Do you remember Todd Wilkinson? At the time, I didn't register the name. Perhaps. No, I probably should have. Who's that? She frowned at my answer. Furling her brow, she squeezed my hand. Honestly, I don't even think she realized that's what she was doing. Sadness passed over her, and as she caught my gaze, Mom continued. Ah, oh, Jesus. How do I do this? How can I make you understand? Danny, promise to listen to what I tell you. Don't try to interrupt. Don't try to ask questions. I know you'll have some, but let me get through this. Let me get through it, and then you can ask whatever you need to. Deal? If I said I wasn't nervous, I'd be lying. I pulled my hand free, but nodded agreement. More from habit than anything else. I pushed the swing backwards and, lifting my legs, permitted it to swing forward. Over and over I did this, without shifting my gaze from the dirty floorboards. Maybe it went on for a few minutes, maybe less. Eventually, she shattered the heavy silence. <sighs> Sometimes, people go through life broken. They, they only see the dark when the rest of us see light. If I'm being honest, I didn't know what the hell she was talking about. I like to think I'm pretty smart. I've maintained above a 3.5 GPA most of my academic career. But, well, this sounded like some of her new age yogi crap. Also, my face is rather emotive, so my sarcastic thoughts were probably written across it. I'm not making any sense, am I? <laughs> Not at all. Mom loosed a long, frustrated sigh. Releasing my hand, she leaned forward and buried her face into her now empty hands. I could see her fingers push back through her thick copper mane. The gesture had an almost <laughs> girlish quality, something rarely seen in my generally composed parental unit. As for myself, I leaned back into my seat and wisely kept my mouth shut. Todd was a great guy. I mean, a great fella. When your dad, when Charlie ran off, he stepped in to help us. He, well, he was the reason we didn't lose the house. He, I, he paid the mortgage while I got back on my feet. Walt was just a few months old and he would just turn six. As she spoke, I did a mental search through my memories. Dad hadn't left. He died. At least, that's what we had been told, when Walt and I had grown old enough to really understand. I didn't remember anyone helping out. Uh, truthfully, I blocked out a lot from the years prior to my 15th birthday. Chalk it up to youthful trauma or self-absorption. But the part about dad leaving, I couldn't just let that pass without addressing it. I was annoyed. This surpassed any qualms I had against rousing her wrath. I sprung to my feet, partly due to my anger, but also in part because I wanted to stay beyond her arm's reach. 
Dad didn't leave. You told us some wacko killed him while we were at the store. That's why we were okay. You told us. Mom, you told us. She looked up then, bulbous droplets brimming from her normally clear sapphire eyes. Suddenly, despite it probably not being rational, I hated this woman. This woman who had raised us by herself for nearly all our lives. I had idolized my father. I had even pursued a degree in creative writing because he had been a semi-successful poet while courting my mother. It didn't compute. It didn't mesh with what I'd imagined all these years. When my eyes refocused, as my rage subsided, I saw something pained in my mother's expression. Your father wanted to come back to us. And honestly, I wanted him to come back. But there was Todd. Todd who kept me company when I was lonely. Todd who listened when I had nobody else I could talk to. Todd who seemed to know all the right things to say to a woman whose life had been turned on its ass. Her words adopted an increasingly bitter tone, as if the sheer act of telling this sickened her. I slumped back against the porch railing, not wanting to return to her side. I had a few petty bones in me, you know. Todd didn't think I should let Charlie back in. That great guy? That man who stepped up when we needed him? He didn't think your father deserved a second chance. Did Dad leave you for someone? No, son. Turns out he panicked, and instead of dealing with it, he ran away. It took a little time before he realized he didn't want to lose us. Charlie was the love of my life. She looked past me, towards the doorway leading into our family home. Todd murdered your father the day he came home to us. I took you boys with me to the grocery. I still remember what meat we were going to eat. Meatloaf, green peas, homemade mashed potatoes. My favorite. I said, numbly. Your favorite. And Charlie's. God, you're so much like him, it hurts sometimes. She swiped a tear from her cheek as she studied my face. Todd showed up while we were gone. Apparently there was a fight. And it ended. Charlie was dead. What's the point of all this? I don't understand. I got a call today. Todd's been released on parole. Good behavior. How? I thought you got life for murder. My mouth felt dry, like sandpaper, and I bit down on the urge to throw up. He didn't get charged with murder. I told you he was a great guy, right? Well, he claimed Charlie attacked him because he wanted to talk to me, wanted to fight for my love. And because your neighbors had heard your dad threatened to kill Todd if he didn't stay away from us and people just seemed to love the bastard. They believed him. He pleaded guilty for manslaughter and he got out of prison yesterday. I was dumbstruck. Why hadn't I heard this version of the story before now? Why didn't I know about this man, this monster who had killed my dad? Hell. Had someone tried to steal my family from me, 
I probably threatened to kill him too. As my mother's words sunk in, I started to feel even sicker, and turning to lean out over the railing, I vomited onto a rose bush in the flower bed that ran adjacent to the porch. Violent heaves racked my body, and I didn't stop puking until only an acid burn filled my mouth. I was vaguely aware that mom's hands were rubbing my trembling back. Maybe I should have pushed her away. Perhaps I would have, and I'd been up to it. Instead, I just sicked up over the flowers and let my mom pet me. What's happening? I heard Walt ask from the doorway. Go back inside, Walt. But mom, please, just do as you're told without any back talk. She pleaded, continuing to rub my now aching backside. Ever wonder what damage emptying out your insides the hard way does to your body? I swear, I don't know how I never broke a rib. Shit hurt like hell, though. Fine. I heard Walk's exaggerated stumps taper off towards the bedroom. Then, as silence settled over us, his bedroom door slammed shut with a loud thunk. My mom watched the empty doorway for a heavy moment without saying anything else. Finally, she spoke. Are you okay? I swiped my arm across my mouth, smearing the phlegm with the movement. Right then, I didn't really care how gross it was. Why are you telling me all this? She hesitated too long. I looked over my shoulder in time to see something horrible, something I still can't quite place plastered across her face. I started to question it, but I guess deep down I was a coward. I had already pushed the threshold on what I could reasonably get away with. Now, though it might prove painful, not being a smartass. Danny, he... And then, she proceeded to tell me. God help me, she did. Later, I stood in front of the bathroom mirror, staring into the haunted eyes of someone I thought I recognized. I've heard I have my father's smoky gray eyes, complete with a debonair smile, useful only for getting me into more trouble than I could handle. Behind me, steam billowed from the shower. Cranked to the max, I hoped the scalding liquid could burn the last hour from memory. I needed it to wash away, to circle the drain, and slip off into forgotten places. Yet, looking at the bedraggled guy in the mirror, staring into his downcast face as the glass started to fog over, I couldn't help wondering if we ever really forget. Are we ever that lucky? It's odd the things your mind conjures when you're trying to ignore painful thoughts. Mine settled on ghosts. Not just old memories that hang around and prevent you from laying the past to rest nor your past sins rearing ugly mugs when you least expected them. No, that'd make too much sense. My mind flitted from cobwebs to Casper to Ghostbusters, until finally settling on sheets. I mean, why the fuck do we associate sheets with ghosts? It makes no damn sense. But there you have it. Instead of dealing with the bomb Mom dropped on me, 
I was wondering why we turned specters into cartoon sheet wearers and not connect them to the clan. I started laughing at my own wit. Also, it probably sounded much more manic than I realized. But hey, I'm entitled to a few meltdowns in my life. Especially with what came later. We'll get to that. Anyway, I nearly screamed when I stepped into the shower because I had turned the water as hot as it would go. Even so, I didn't move to the back where my skin would find relative safety. No, I subjected myself to the lazy man's self-flagellation until I could bear the heat. Then, I leaned against the wall just below the shower head and tried not to think about anything. Truthfully, it helped, if only for a while. After my shower, I scrounged through what clean laundry I hadn't already put away and pulled them on. I needed to get away from the house, see some of my local pals, and forget about the real world for a while. I had already called some up before the talk with my mom, so there wasn't any worry about sitting with my own thoughts and pretending I was okay with my family. I mean, I was cool with Walt, but leaned a little more towards the fence when it concerned our mother. Once dressed, I checked my wallet for cash. When I'm not home during school breaks, I work a decent job with a local publishing firm. Nothing major, just doing the grunt work while I learn some ins and outs of the trade. Anyway, I had my own money and was well on my way to being a functional member of society. Or, as I like to call it, an educated reprobate. Upon seeing three twenties, some ones, and a pair of tens, I first wondered why the hell I had so much cash on hand, and then smiled happily that I wouldn't have to find an ATM. I moved back to the bathroom for one final check. The guy looking back at me from the mirror appeared somewhat less frazzled than he had before the shower. It's amazing how adept scalding water is at washing away life's hardships. A tired smile creased the mirror man's face, and his eyes, my eyes, harbored a haunted quality. My hair fell in a tangled mess, and I almost thought I looked decent. But, as I stared at my mirror image, I saw my father's face. Slowly at first, but with increasing speed the longer I gazed, the friendly smile melted into a troubled line. Straightening my collar, I turned from him, turned and left him alone in the bathroom's empty darkness with a fleeting flick of the light switch. Walt perched on the edge of his bed, his back to the open doorway as I walked past his bedroom. I had plans, you know, and I didn't want to talk to my family anymore, at least for the rest of the day. Still, something about his posture, how... Dejected he seemed, caught the corner of my eye. I thought I heard faint sniffles too. Being his older brother, not to mention the fucked up thoughts banging around in my head, I didn't know if I had the energy to help him. Now, now, I will always remember that I stopped. That I went to my kid brother, instead of passing him by. That for all the wrong things I've done in my life, 
I did one good thing. What's on your mind, turd? Go away, Danny. He didn't look over his shoulder as he spoke, and his voice sounded wet. He had been crying after all. Instead of annoyed, of allowing his words to deter me, I stepped into his bedroom. Being the typical high school teenager, his room served as homage to geekdom, pocket pool material, and just plain dork. Walt loved oceanography. He always said he wanted to work at SeaWorld when he got out of school to help improve its public persona. His bookshelves were laden with books on nautical and oceanic life, pictures of busty blondes modeling rather expensive sailboats, and old Roger and Hammerstein movie monster figurines. He had goals, my brother, and his room was an altar to them. All these things I ignored as I entered and circumvented the bed to come sit next to him. Hey, I said, placing a hand on his shoulder. Talk to me. Why? You don't want to be here. His words struck a nerve. I never said this to Walt. Not because they weren't true and not because I wanted to spare his feelings. Nothing like that. They were my secret thoughts. They were the mantra I told myself to get through the hours between my visits home and returning to school. That's not fair. So? When has life ever been fair? So cynical, this kid. He wasn't wrong. Life wasn't interested in fairness. People got the cards they were dealt, and if they were lucky, they could trade out a few for better ones. Even so, Walt shouldn't see things the way adults saw them. No, I'm not talking about myself. I wasn't much better than a kid myself. But he should have seen a whole world in front of him. A whole wide world with so many possibilities he couldn't just pick one. I rubbed my forehead while I tried to process all this. After a few moments of shared silence, I scrabbled together some pseudo-intelligent words to say. Life can suck, but... You just got grounded, man. There'll be other dances. And if that girl cares about you, getting grounded won't... Now shut up, Danny! He shot to his feet and spun to face me. His cheeks were red and stained with tears. His fists quivered at his sides. He kept them bald, as if he would hit me if I said the wrong thing. Hey! I held up my hands, showing I wasn't trying to fight. This seemed to cause my brother to deflate, to lose the fire he had been secretly stoking within himself. Silently, he slumped back down on the bed beside me and buried his face into his hands. Not knowing what else to do, I rubbed his back while he wept. And then it hit me. He had heard what Mom said about the man who had killed our dad. You... You heard what mom told me, didn't you? He lifted his head to nod once. Wanna talk about it? He shook his head again. This time, no. Alright, I've gotta run, but listen. We didn't deserve to lose dad. This Todd guy? He better stay the hell away from us. Mom does pretty good at taking care of this family. Even if she does keep secrets. But you know that even when I'm not around, I've got your back. You know that, yeah? 
Sure, Danny. I know, but... I mean, Mom should have told us. True, I'm not gonna disagree. She had her reasons, I guess. But... Hey, wanna get a burger tomorrow? My treat. He turned his head and smiled at me. It was a bright, sunny grin. It always made me think on the first time I saw Walt, after my parents brought him home from the hospital. He was a loud, obnoxious baby, who wouldn't stop squalling no matter what mom and dad tried. I was terrified. He was so tiny, and I didn't want to hurt him. But the first time we saw each other, he immediately stopped crying and smiled a toothless baby grin. I've loved my little brother ever since. Sure thing. That'll be fun. I'm grounded, though. Mom probably won't let me go. Gotta eat, kid. Besides, I'll handle Mom, I said, ruffling his hair as I stood to leave. Things will be okay. Wait and see. God help me. I've never been so wrong. I pulled my jeep to a stop in an empty space outside the shootout, a bar I frequented with some of my childhood friends whenever I was in town. It wasn't the most glamorous place, just a relatively small joint that smelled strongly of cigarettes and cheap booze. My buddies, Trent and Scott, had been coming ever since we could drive, as Brody, the owner and booze peddler, didn't card. As long as you obeyed the unspoken rule of no fighting, he didn't really care how old you were. The sun was already slipping into the distant tree line as I stepped out into the cool Carolina air. Trent's bedraggled old Chevy filled two spots nearby. The guy drove like a bat out of hell, but couldn't park for shit. Smiling affectionately, I locked my car and moved towards the bar's dark brown doorway. Besides Trent's car and my Jeep, maybe six or seven other vehicles littered the gravel lot. It was still early. It could get pretty crowded as midnight drew closer. As expected, a heavy smoke cloud wafted around eye level when I stepped inside. I bumped into Matt, the heavyset bouncer, who wielded a deceptive good old boy mentality, but was actually studying business law on his nights off. We exchanged a few pleasantries. He clasped my elbow as he shook hands with me, asked how school was going, then motioned towards the back table where I saw Scott talking to a young woman as he set up a game of pool. Sweet. This was our preferred table where we could watch the goings-on in the bar, and he had already found some female interaction. Slowly, without managing to gain his attention, I made my way towards my friend. Hey, fucker, I said, when I managed to sidle up right beside him without being detected. The pretty blonde eyed me curiously, but didn't say anything just yet. What's up, brother man? Scott asked. A cigarette dangled from the corner of his mouth as he meticulously racked the balls. Not much, I lied. I didn't want to talk about things at home. Not yet, anyway. Who's your friend? Oh, uh, this is, uh... Hey, babe. What's your name? I'm Cindy. She finished for him, taking my outstretched hand as she flashed a playful wink 
She was attractive. Smooth skin doused with a couple of layers of vibrant makeup. Hair bound to caress her face just enough to emphasize high cheekbones and pouty lips. And a sleek body that belonged in a trashy black dress. This was the kind of girl my friends liked. The kind you didn't take home to your mom, but took home for some bedroom fun and little else. I'm Danny, I said. Then to Scott, I asked. Where's Trent? Saw his car outside. Scott pointed, or at least tried to, out towards the section of the bar Brody had converted into a dance floor. Once, he had told us the key to unlocking a woman's legs was to get her dancing. The pool tables existed for those too proud to boogie, and the other existed for those who wanted to score. My eyes trailed after Scott's outstretched arm until they landed on our amigo, dancing rather close to two eye-catching young women. They looked barely legal, but their hands were touching parts of Trent in ways one might call pornographic in nature. More, the lanky fool ass had a fucking goofy grin plastered all over his narrow face. Of course he is. I heard myself mumble. Hey, you wanna dance? Cindy asked. Now that fresh meat had arrived, especially after Scott couldn't even remember her name, the woman had her eyes on me. I glanced at Scott, who watched us both with casual indifference. But I knew my friend. He had already claimed her. Didn't matter if he remembered her name tonight or tomorrow. Maybe in a few. I'd like a drink or ten first. I said, a little too nonchalantly. This earned a petulant huff as she settled into a nearby seat, arms folded over her chest. She watched Trent dance with, I guessed, her two friends, with enough envy to heat up our tiny corner of the bar. I smirked at Scott, before shifting my attention to the wider room. Over the next 15 or 20 minutes, I bought a round of drinks for myself and my friends. Hell, I even got the girls one too. When Trent realized I was there, he ambled over, his dates in tow, and dragged me into a half-drunk conversation about some trip he wanted us all to take. I beat Scott at a few games, and when I wasn't performing for my friends, I sipped on a beer at the table with Cindy. Strangely, I couldn't dismiss a pervasive nagging in my head that something was amiss. More than once, I felt the overpowering urge to head home. After a while, even my friends took notice. You solid man, you seemed off all night. Scott asked. He had joined me at the table so Cindy and Trent could play around. We watched, impassively, as she wiggled her ass to distract him. Been a weird day, I mumbled. Scott was good peoples, but we didn't really talk about the deep life quandaries these days. Besides, I didn't want to unload my demons on a drunken pal. Danny. A woman's voice whispered in my ear. Startled, I nearly fell from my chair. Grappling at the seat's arms, I lifted myself up to see who had spoken to me. What's your deal? Scott looked at me, confusion etched into his face. You, you didn't hear that? Man, hear what? This play is loud as fuck. There's a lot to hear. Yeah. Someone said my name. No one said your name, bozo. 
Trent said, as he came around the pool table. I scowled, but he leaned over the railing to send his cue ball barreling towards the table's far corner. Danny. Danny, come home. There it was again. The voice. A woman's voice. A woman's familiar voice. My mom. Had she called my phone and somehow, though it was in my hip pocket, I'd answered? Thinking this must be it, it was a logical explanation after all. I reached down and grabbed the cool device. What the fuck? I mumbled to myself. I hadn't answered any phone call. In fact, the phone wasn't even on. Slowly, with more unease than made sense, I pressed my thumb on the side power button and waited for it to restart. It didn't come back on. The battery, which I thought had been fully charged, was now dead. Great. Danny? Scott asked, nervousness slipping into his own voice. Hey, sorry. I gotta go. I'm... I feel weird. Getting sick? Too much to drink? Maybe. I don't know. I'll see you guys later. Without waiting for a response, I shoved my phone back into my pocket and went to close my tab. Behind me, Scott and Trent were exchanging confused looks, but neither moved to stop me. It was a matter of minutes before I was back on the highway, speeding towards the home I had been desperate to get away from only a few hours ago. My feet pressed the gas pedal to the floorboard as I ignored traffic laws. Stop signs rose in my windshield, only for me to barely notice them fall away in my rearview mirror. A few angry horn blares managed to steal through my mental fog. All too soon, I turned onto my road and slammed on the brakes. A half dozen squad cars crisscrossed the street in front of my house, blocking passage through. A few more littered the short, winding driveway that led up to the garage. Uniformed officers clustered on the grass. What was going on? I stopped next to the curb several houses away and scrambled out into the night. Tears nearly blinded me as I stumbled home. Oh, stop right there, a burly cop commanded. As he stepped towards me, he held up a beefy hand. That's, that's my... I couldn't finish. Where was my family? Why were there officers here? What's your name, son? D Danny. Where? For God's sake, where are my mom and brother? Where's mama? Walt! Please tell me they're okay. Kandesky, you better let me handle this. A lithe woman stepped towards us. Her pale face watched from behind wire-rimmed glasses as she nodded for the other, Kandesky, to rejoin the others. Her charcoal pantsuit fit her slender frame perfectly. Another time, I might have found her attractive. At the moment, I just wanted answers. Where are they? Are you Daniel Preston? I nodded, not liking the cryptic way she studied me. You better come with me. She held out an arm and kept it outstretched until I moved slightly in front of her. Slowly, I was escorted towards the house. As we drew close to the porch, I registered policemen standing in a semicircle around the steps. Some clutched clipboards and were taking notes as others spoke softly, methodically. I strained to see, 
but they were packed so tightly I couldn't catch a glimpse. We drew within a few steps, yet still nothing. A hard tug at my elbow drew my movement to a sudden, uncomfortable halt. First, I need to tell you something, Daniel. A tenderness threaded her voice, even as she commanded. I wanted to argue, wanted to deny what my guts were screaming in me. Good sense, if not wisdom, kept my tongue in check. Are you familiar with the man who goes by Todd Wilkinson? I stiffened at the name. She caught it, cocking an eyebrow she took a mental note. My mom told me a little about him. He killed my father. Wow. Okay, maybe we shouldn't do this just yet. I willed on her, rage blossoming to copulate with the terror within. Tell me! What are those people looking at? What does Todd have anything to do with why you're here? A gust of wind blew, a vibrant, metallic stench mixed with a notable fecal aroma filled my nostrils. I might have tricked myself into believing everything was alright. I might have convinced myself Mom had called the cops to report some murdered animal on our front stoop. I knew better. Did Todd Wilkinson do something to my family? Her silence deafened me. Please, tell me, I pleaded, not really wanting the answer. Wait here, she said. Without waiting for a response, she stepped away from me and joined those at the porch. One of them, a balding black man with a surly disposition, glowered over towards me at first. Then, as my escort whispered something else, his expression softened considerably, and slowly, with pity flickering his dour face, he moved aside. The others also moved off to the side, some casting pitying looks in my direction, while others noticeably avoided making eye contact. Finally, only the female detective remained. I barely registered her presence. A tattered lump lay on the steps, twisted unnaturally as dark red liquid saturated the familiar fabric, fabric resembling a distorted version of Walt's shirt. Couldn't be a person. It had to be something else. This gross distortion didn't seem real. Then, I saw the broken hands reaching towards solid ground, following the fingers to the wrist and up the arm, my eyes trailed upwards until, until the gears started turning and realization clicked into place. Walt! I screamed, rushing towards him. The policeman caught me before I reached the bottom step, though it took several to subdue me. Violently, I struggled to get free. A wild beast, conscious thought fled to the safety offered by madness. I pummeled those who held me. I screamed, I kicked violently. These men bore no ill will to my violence. Instead, they held me until my fury broke. When it did, I slumped into someone's broad chest, sobbing uncontrollably. The man, whomever he was, stroked my head as he held me. It was almost as my father would have done in another life. Finally, he let me go. I sank to my knees and buried my face in my hands. Tears, jagged and cruel, 
stampeded down between my curved fingers as I felt the world slide loose around me, oblivious to the watching crowd. I bawled. Somewhere in the distance, the neighborhood dogs joined in. My female escort knelt down beside me. She talked gently, with the professional air of someone who had had this kind of talk before. Daniel, my name is Miranda. I know this whole situation is hard. We're here to help you get through it. If you're up for it, I would like to talk to you. Is that okay? Where's Mama? Was all I could think to say. I couldn't meet her eyes, as she had positioned her body so it blocked most of my brother's corpse. A kind gesture, to be sure, but my imagination saw through her. It saw the piss stains on Walt's jeans. It saw the meaty pulp where the back of his head should have been. It saw the crimson pool coagulating around him. Television didn't get it right. Smells and the sounds dying cells made. They were just so... Hell, I don't know. The point is, while I appreciate the effort, she did only so much to blot my murdered brother from my sight. She's inside, said the officer, gently, as she tried to catch my eyes. She's okay, right? He didn't hurt her too, right? Please. Silence. No. 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 Oh, God, no. You did not have to go inside. It might be... My head darted up as fire blazed behind my eyes. Might be what? Hard? Painful? My brother's fucking dead. Mom too, most likely. I... I want to see her. I want to see her. Okay, she said quietly. Miranda stood and offered her hand. Taking it, I rose from the ground. I didn't move though. All too swiftly, reality doused out the white-hot rage billowing within my breast. I was just a kid, faced with horrible circumstances, and I didn't know what to do. Luckily, she chose for me. She led me, childlike, towards the backyard. At first, it didn't make sense. Why was she guiding me away from everyone? But when we turned the corner, and walked towards a couple of officers guarding the house's rear entrance. It clicked. Crime scenes, man. Gotta keep them as uncontaminated as possible. She sleeping? I asked, stupidly, when Miranda propelled me into the house and down the hallway leading towards my room. The detective offered a peculiar look in my direction, but said nothing. Instead, she allowed my fracturing mind to wrangle the threads together to find my way towards the truth. Not sleeping. I moved around the bed, my bed, to get a better view. Her lifeless eyes stared back at me. Blue ligature marks covered her slender neck, and the messy hole decorated her chest below the breast. Intestines dribbled out into the carpet. And I couldn't help thinking, man, mom's gonna kill me over this mess, before reality snapped into focus. 
Blood had soaked into the thick carpet as it spread out in a wide pool around her. My mother was dead. My mother was... My mother was dead! Slowly, I let my eyes wander around my bedroom. There had been a struggle. My bookshelves and desk were in disarray. It seemed like mom or her murderer had slammed against each piece of furniture, dislodging the adorning papers or knickknacks. Even my bed seemed to sit at an angle. Later inspection would show a leg had been broken. There were a few holes in the wall. One looked like an elbow or head had pierced the plaster, and on the wall next to my closet, several smallish holes, probably from a rifle or shotgun blast, punctuated the formerly smooth surface. This had been a battlefield, and Mom had lost. My legs buckled beneath me as tears poured down my blotchy face. Over and over, I murmured, Mommy, as I rocked back and forth in front of her lifeless body. I've never believed real men don't cry. I'll tell you this, I sobbed harder and louder than I ever thought I would. And then, when tears started slipping down my throat, I turned my head to one side and vomited all over a pile of laundry I'd never managed to get to a hamper. I'm sorry, Daniel. If it's any consolation, we know who did this. Your neighbor, Mrs. Pratchett, saw Todd Wilkinson, saw him murder your brother. He fled the scene, as he had probably already murdered your mother. She spoke slowly, offering the words with as much gentleness as the situation allowed. I still rocked, wiping away the spittle forming along my lips every so often. But I listened to her. He likely arrived 20 to 30 minutes after Mrs. Pratchett heard your car leave. Where did you go, by the way? The shootout. Ah, I'm familiar with the place. I'm sure there are people who can verify a time frame, yes? Yeah, my buddies, Scott and Trent. Nodding, she continued. It may not seem like it now, but you're quite lucky. I ignored this. A question was bothering me. Did you get the fucker? Miranda's mouth opened to answer, but then she hesitated. This has been a Black and Grim production. The Black and Grim podcast is an original horror fiction production and cannot be reproduced without written permission from the creators. All rights to the story belong to the author and cannot be reproduced without written permission. Thank you for joining us for Danny's River. Join us next time as we see how he moves on from the horrible events perpetuated by Todd Wilkinson. Grim, hey, what are you doing with that dead body?